Pastor Xavier Reese and Russia's great surprise. They're coming expecting victory, but they're going to be defeated, confronted by God's anger. Says the Lord God that my fury will show in my face. This is God. He's jealous over the people he loves. They're coming expecting victory, but they're going to be defeated. They think they're going to come to fill their pockets, and they're only going to fill graves. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. One would think that today's leaders would pay more attention to God's Word than to the voices of politicians. Well, we have been granted a privileged look at what's to come as Pastor Xavier takes us deep inside the prophecies recorded within the pages of the Old Testament book of Ezekiel. Let's join him for today's Simple Truth study. Ezekiel chapter 38, we're going to be looking at verses 14 through 23, and the message is entitled, Russia Will Invade Israel. This is part two. Let me read verse 14 to 23. He says, Therefore, son of man, prophesy and say to God, Thus saith the Lord God, On that day when my people Israel dwell safely, will you not know it? Then you will come from your place out of the far north, and many people with you, all of them riding on horses, a great company and a mighty army. You will come up against my people Israel like a cloud to cover the land. It will be in the latter days that I will bring you against my land so that the nations may know me when I am hollowed in you, O God, before their eyes. Thus says the Lord God, are you he whom I have spoken in former days by my servant the prophets of Israel who prophesied for years in those days that I would bring you against them? It will come to pass at that same time when God comes against the land of Israel, says the Lord God, that my fury will show in my face. For in my jealousy... And in my fire of my wrath, I have spoken. Surely in that day there shall be a great earthquake in the land of Israel, so that the fish of the sea, the birds of the heavens, the the beasts of the field, all creeping things that creep on the earth, and all men who are on the face of the earth shall shake in my presence. The mountains shall be thrown down, the steep places shall fall, and every wall shall fall on the ground. I will call for a sword against Gog throughout all my mountains, says the Lord God. Every man's sword will be against his brother. And I will bring him to judgment with pestilence and bloodshed. I will rain down on him and on his troops and on many people who are with him, flooding rain, great hailstone, fire, and brimstone. Thus I will magnify myself and sanctify myself, and I will be known in the eyes of many nations. Then they shall know that I am the Lord." The destruction of Russia at her invasion of Israel consists of the following things. First, verse 14 through 16, the certainty of the attack of Russia on Israel. Second, 17 through 20, the certainty of Russia's defeat in Israel. And then 21 to 23, the certainty of being God's judgment on Russia in defense of Israel. This will be God fighting for Israel. This will not be Israel fighting for Israel, as we've seen her in the previous wars. It will be God. Let's begin here with the certainty of the attack of Russia on Israel. Notice here in verse 14 and 15, the attack will be to their own demise. Russia has no idea of her destruction. Once again, this takes place at the covenant 
that Israel makes with the Antichrist. Israel is not in peace right now. She's not in safety. She's getting tired of war, 60 years. She's willing to give up land over and over again, but she gets betrayed every time. Nothing comes of it. She wants peace. But it will not be till she makes the covenant with the Antichrist in Daniel 9.27 then. But it will be false peace, as we've seen. In 15, Russia will come with her confederate armies out of the far north. We've seen it in verse 6, the far north. The confederation, notice, also is confirmed. You and many people with you. We mentioned her last time. Persia, Ethiopia, Lydia, Gomer, the house of Tagarma, which you find in verse 5 and 6. All of them riding horses, a great company, and mighty army. Remember the Scythians, the Cossacks, are the root of the Russians. We saw that. We looked into that. You will come up against my people, Israel, like a cloud to cover the land. My people. That's like you saying as a parent, and you're going to come into my house to attack my children? (laughs) Pretty heavy. These are very stern words. The intent is evil by the phrase, against my people. The overwhelming nature of the attack, notice, is marked by the phrase, like a cloud, to cover the land. In other words, it is sudden, it is so overwhelming that human ability, human preparation will not do. We get so proud of ourselves. And when we trust the arm of flesh, destruction comes upon us. When we think ourselves sufficient for anything. The Bible says that I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me in Philippians 4.13. All things he calls me to do, but I don't proudly, boldly say, I can do that. I can do anything. No, no, no. I have limitations, many. Notice not only by their invasion of Israel, but by the prophetic fulfillment. The prophetic timeline is given. It will be in the latter days. The phrase specifies the days of the latter years of verse 8. The seven-year tribulation is given in two halves. False peace, and then all hell breaking loose. Notice the prophetic guidance. It is God that I will bring you against my land. He's in control. The prophetic purpose is for the acknowledgement of God, so that the nations may know me when I am hollowed in you, O God, before their eyes. God allows man with his free will to make choices. And because he knows the choices they make, it's not hard for God to declare what's going to happen. And he uses it for his glory. Now remember this battle takes place at the beginning of the seven years of tribulation. And great tribulation. The nations here at this point acknowledge the active intervention of God. But not to bow to him. That occurs at the second coming. So we have to believe that what it's doing, it's giving us concluding arching conclusions towards the end. Because if this happens, the acknowledgement of God at the beginning... How can we explain that Israel would be given to the Antichrist for the first three and a half years? They can't be given to God and the Antichrist. It's in the middle of those seven years, three and a half, that the Antichrist goes into the temple, declares himself God, and then Israel sees that she's been deceived and she flees to the wilderness, the city of Petra. So it's from the middle on that it will be acknowledged. From the middle, Israel, the rest of the nations, at the end, at the second coming of Christ. So I have to know the timeline so I know where I put these things. Otherwise, I contradict the timeline itself. And it's not that easy sometimes. At the beginning, the entire world is accepting the inhaling the Antichrist. He's the man of the hour. He has the solutions for everything. False peace. Paul says uh, when they see peace and safety, sudden destruction will come upon them. Because they rejected the truth, I will give them over to the lie. And they will not be able to believe. The certainty of Russia attacking Israel... 
just like Ezekiel describes here, is as certain as the second coming of Jesus Christ. It will happen. Notice secondly here, we have the certainty of Russia's defeat in Israel. 17 and 18, we have the wrath of God will be the source. Don't mistake in it. In verse 19, as the confirmation of his prophets, the men inspired of God, thus saith the Lord God, are you he of whom I have spoken in former days by many servants of prophets of Israel? And the men are those imparting the revelation of God, who prophesied for years in those days that I would bring you against them. The authority is divine, says the Lord God. We see this over and over again, this prophetic formula in 38, 18, 21, 39, 5, 8, 10, 13, 20, 29, over and over and over again. The righteous wrath again of Yahweh is based on his holiness being manifested on a confederation of atheistic and Muslim nations. What strange bedfellows. <laughs> There's only three monotheistic religions in the world, if we can call ourselves a religion. The Jews, Islam, and Christians. The Jews have blindness in part. They acknowledge Yahweh, but they don't acknowledge Jesus as Messiah. The Muslims acknowledge Allah, which is nowhere in the Bible, through the prophet Muhammad. And then we, the Christians, acknowledge the Father who sent the Son, who sent the Holy Spirit. Now notice this will be a power encounter then of Jesus against Allah. That's what it boils down to. Much like Elijah and the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel. Elijah said, well, let's see who's God. You go first. And God demonstrated through Elijah that he's the only God. The manifestation of God's wrath is given. In 19, evident by the evidence of his love for Israel. For in my jealousy and in the fire of my wrath, I have spoken. Jealousy is a strong emotion that compels one to action. Now, there's the negative side of it where you're overprotective, you're too controlling, and you actually strangle who you say you love. You know what I mean? But... Jealousy is good. It says, hey, I'm protective. I, you're mine. You understand? That's good. This is God. He's jealous over the people he loves. He has chosen the Jew. Not because they're more in number. Not because they're wiser or anybody else. He says, I just chose you. That's all. Also notice evident by the violent earthquake in Israel. Surely in that day there shall be a great earthquake in the land of Israel. Evident by the effects also of all creation. Notice, so that the fish in the sea, the birds of the heavens, the beasts of the field, all creeping things that creep on the earth, and all men who are on the face of the earth shall shake at my presence. Notice, evident by the inability for anything to stand. The mountains shall be thrown down, the steep places shall fall, and every wall shall fall to the ground. I don't care how bad you think you are, you'll run. <laughs> this is God. There is an innate hatred for the Jew that is growing throughout the world today, particularly in Europe, and it's rising in the United States. And we know prophetically that its origin are satanic. Genesis 3.15, the first prophecy regarding the virgin birth of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the promise. It is that the Messiah, the seed of the woman, would crush the serpent's head, and the seed of the serpent would bruise the heel of the seed of the woman, the Messiah, a temporary wound on the cross, but he becomes victorious through the resurrection. At the end, Messiah wins a fatal blow to the head. He crushes his head. But since that prophecy, it also declares that anti-Semitic movement towards the people of God. Esau attempted to kill Jacob. Remember, when my father dies, I'll kill him. But God intervened as his return. Pharaoh attempted to destroy the Jews, but God intervened through Moses. 
Haman set out a plan to kill all the Jews, but God intervened through Esther. Herod tried to kill the Messiah, but God intervened through a dream. The Antichrist will attempt to kill the remnant of Israel, but God will intervene by protecting her at the city of Petra. God's in control. God knows what he's doing. He tells us before it happens, so when it happens, we know it's God. The certainty of Russia's defeat in Israel is unavoidable. They think they're going to come to fill their pockets, and they're only going to fill graves. Now notice thirdly, the certainty of being God's judgment on Russia in defense of Israel. Verse 21 and 22, the various instruments of judgment are given to us. In 21, the use of the sword. I will call for a sword against Gog throughout all of my mountains, says the Lord God. Notice that my mountains are still in Israel. Every man's sword will be against his brother. We call this friendly fire in modern warfare. <laughs> you kill your own people. But usually it's by mistake, okay? This is God's turning their sword against them. This is nothing new. There have been many accounts of the Old Testament that, that show us this. In Judges 7.22, the Midianites turned their sword upon one another as God told Gideon to advance and to destroy them, even though he only had 300 soldiers against the countless thousands of them. In fact, in verse 22, there says, When the 300 blew the trumpet, the Lord set every man's sword against the companion throughout the whole camp, and the army fled to Beth Acacia, Torzera, as far as the border of Abel Mehalah by Tabath. And so God turned the sword on them. We've seen this before. God do it. The battle belongs to the Lord, Josiah said. Stand back and see his glory. This battle is not going to be won by, by the Israeli Air Force, even though they, they could probably do it. It's going to be God completely. Notice the Philistines also in 1 Samuel 14, 20 turned their swords on themselves. It tells us there, then Saul and all the people who were with him assembled, and they went to the battle, and indeed every man's sword was against his neighbor, and there were very great confusion. And so they started killing each other. We have other passages in Hosea 2, 2, Zechariah 14, 13, at the second coming, right before the Lord comes. That will happen, battle of Armageddon. Then he goes on to speak about the use of disease, and I will bring him to judgment with pestilence. You remember that God did this in the Exodus in Egypt. In Exodus 9.3, Behold, the hand of the Lord will be on your cattle, the field, on the horses, the donkeys, the camels, the oxen, and the sheep, and every very severe pestilence. God wiped them out. He made a distinction between those of the Israelis and those of the Egyptians. He made a distinction between Goshen and the Egyptians. It's nothing for God to, to be able to wipe one out with the other one standing just six inches from the other one. That's no big deal. You understand? He's God. Leviticus 26, 25, God promised what he would do for them when they returned to him. It says, as God promised there that he would do this for the Israelis after they abandoned him, he says, and I will bring a sword against you that will execute the vengeance of the covenant. When you are gathered together within your cities, I will send pestilence among you, and you shall be delivered in the hand of the enemy. And that's exactly what God will do. And he promised to them back in the law. Now notice, he will use violence. And bloodshed, verse 22, the violence is in defense of Israel. The violence is in retribution for their evil. Woe to him who builds a town with bloodshed, who establishes a city by iniquity, Habakkuk 2.12. God hates it. The use of torrential rains, I will rain down on him, on his troops, and on the many people who are with him, flooding rain. 
The target is specific. Notice Russia and her confederacy of nations. You remember Psalm 20, verse 7? It says, some trust in chariots, some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord, our God. It is he who fights for Israel. It is he who will confront this confederacy. Notice the power of water is immense. We've all seen documentaries of rivers overflowing and just wiping out entire towns and cities. The power of water is just a scary thing. The flood of Noah destroyed the whole world. Changed its face, if you will. We live over a cemetery of God's witness that he judged the world. But we're so smart today, we call it evolution. We don't want to acknowledge that it was judgment, so we've created this religion of evolution to cancel out God's judgment. Then there will be use of hail, huge hail, great hailstones. Again in the past, in Joshua chapter 10, verse 11, it says, And it happened as they fled before Israel and were on the descent of Beth Horam, that the Lord cast down large hailstones from heaven on them as far as Issachar, and they died. There were more who died from the hailstone than the children of Israel killed with the sword. You see, God doesn't need any help. It's like your son who's four years old helping you mow the lawn. You will let him come along thinking he's doing something, but he's probably hindering you more than helping you. You understand? Revelation eleven nineteen says, Then the temple of God was opened in heaven, and the ark of his covenant was seen in his temple, and there were lightnings, noises, thunderings, and earthquakes, and great hail. And we know that in that tribulation period, there will be hailstones being cast down 180 to 200 pounds. Now, you don't want that to hit your house or your car, or you. That's that's a pretty big ball. Um, The use of fire and brimstone is next. This was the means of judgment over Sodom and Gomorrah, as you know. Genesis 19, 24. Then the Lord rained brimstone and fire on Sodom and Gomorrah from the Lord out of the heavens as judgment. This is the picture of the eternal state of man in the lake of fire, by the way. Listen to Revelation chapter 21, verse 8. But the cowardly, unbelieving... The abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. That's the final abode of the wicked, the lake of fire, Gehenna, fire and brimstone, divine judgment. Now notice the outcome of God's wrath is given in verse 23 then. Yahweh will be exalted and revered as God. Thus I will magnify myself and sanctify myself. The word magnify means to become greater important in view of his divine power against the armies. The word sanctify means to be set apart, consecrated with the idea that he's the only God. He is God. Remember what God said back in chapter 36, 22. Therefore say to the house of Israel, thus saith the Lord God, I do not do this for your sake, O house of Israel, but for my holy name's sake, which you have profaned among the nations wherever you went. He does it for his name's sake because he's holy. That's the primary purpose. Look at 23 still. Yahweh will be acknowledged by many nations and I will be known in the eyes of many nations. Notice many Not all at this particular battle, the beginning. The complete acknowledgement will be at the second coming. So this is where we have to put our thinking caps on. It cannot be an acknowledgement of everybody at the beginning because they can't submit to God and the Antichrist at the same time. So we have to move it forward, okay? 
So it's an overarching proclamation that will result. Yahweh will be acknowledged as the covenant God. Then they will know that I am the Lord Yahweh. This again has to be the overarching end result at the second coming. The reason being is that the beginning of the seven years, again, when the battle takes place, it's a time of peace through the covenant that the Antichrist and Israel have come together with, and it is false peace. In the middle, Israel understands the betrayal. She flees. From that point on to the end, the last three and a half, and at the end when Christ returns, then everyone knows because of the battle of Armageddon. So you have to put this in the right timeline. Now, the life of uh, Voltaire, the French philosopher and champion of the Enlightenment, uh, reveals some interesting views regarding the Jews, which are less enlightening. Uh, He lived from 1694 to 1778, and I'm quoting They are all of them born with raging fanaticism in their hearts, he says, just as the Bretons and the Germans are born with blonde hair. I would not be in the least bit surprised, he says, if these people would not someday become deadly to the human race. Wow. Voltaire went on to condemn Jews for, quote, their stubbornness, their new superstitions, and their hollowed usury. Addressing the Jews directly, Voltaire wrote, quote, You have surpassed all nations in impertinent fables, in bad conduct, in barbarism. You deserve to be punished, for this is your destiny, end of quote. Ladies and gentlemen, that is the mindset of the majority of the world today against the Jew, including America and average Americans. It's satanic in nature. It's prophetic. I will make Jerusalem a troublesome stone to the whole world. Fox News, Israel planning, training for low-level nuke strikes against Iran. Sunday, January 7th, 07. Israel has drawn up secret plans to destroy Iran's uranium enrichment facilities and tactical nuclear weapons, according to the report of the Sunday Times of London. The paper cites several Israeli military sources saying that two Israeli Air Force squadrons are training using low-yielded nuclear Bunker busters, they call. Foreign Ministry spokesman Mark Regev denied the report and said that the focus of the Israeli activities is to give full support to diplomatic actions and the implementations of UN Security Council resolution imposed. Now, the Israeli government has warned repeatedly that it will never allow nuclear weapons to be made in Iran, whose president Mahmoud Ahmadinejad has declared that Israel must be wiped off the map. If you go to any Islamic nation today and you look on the world map they have, Israel is not even there. In their mind, it's already gone. It's a map that does not contain the nation of Israel. All the nations are being lined up. No one knows except God. But we should be wise enough to be able to study the scriptures and understand them clearly. The certainty of being God's judgment on Russia and defense of Israel will be undeniable. Undeniable. And so here you have the second movement, the destruction of Russia at her invasion of Israel, consisting of the certainty of the attack of Russia on Israel. It is unmistakable. The certainty of Russia's defeat in Israel is unavoidable. It's on collision course. 
and the certainty of being God's judgment on Russia in defense of Israel will be undeniable. God will fight for Israel. No matter how brilliant the strategies of man, God still decides the outcome of the war. Pastor Xavier Reese and God's Protection of Israel. And if you'd like a copy of today's message, Russia Will Invade Israel Part 2. It's available on CD for just $4. And this will also include what Pastor Xavier shared the last time we were together as well. So, once again, the title to ask for is Russia Will Invade Israel Part 2. Or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And please be sure and include the call letters of this station somewhere in your correspondence. This information is helpful when we check on the impact of this outreach in your area. Be sure and join us next time for more from God's Word. That's right here on Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 